All right, Matthew chapter 5. Good morning. morning. Hope you all have had a good week. I've had a weird week. We finished up a project that we were working on that we were really, really busy on and started another one that wasn't the engineers. Hopefully there's no engineers in here. The engineers were uh, slacking and didn't get the job ready for us, so we were trying to do it all ourselves and uh, spent most of the week trying to do that and really didn't get it going. So uh, kind of a weird week for me, even though it was still busy. But Matthew chapter 5, and I got some review questions. All right, hopefully you took notes or hopefully you got a good memory. What did we talk about? Well, start off this because we just started a new series last week. We are talking about what in the Bible? Brother Kevin. Metaphors in the Bible. Can anybody tell me what a metaphor is? What did we say a metaphor is? And I mean, we use this now, so you don't have to have it word for word. Brother Kevin was the only one listening. Yes, and, and, and what we said was that it's, it's, it's just the definition of a metaphor, but a metaphor is something that we, we use that has no real, real uh, application or no real, uh, it, it, it's not, I don't have the definition in front of me. Kevin wrote it down, so he's probably right. But it's not, we said last week, we talked about the salt of the earth. We are not actually salt. So whatever I'm trying to say, that's what I'm trying to say. It's, it's a metaphor is something that we're not actually salt. We're not actually all these things that Christ calls us in the Bible, but he's, he's trying to give us a comparison to them, and that's a metaphor. And we talked about a parable is an is a earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Miss Vicki gave us that definition. Um, so Jesus used those all the time. They were not real stories necessarily. It could have been something that he did see or that he did uh, uh, come across or interacted with somebody, but he doesn't, nec- he doesn't give us names or anything like that because it was something that he was trying to use this story that we all can relate to but give us a heavenly meaning. And you even have in the, in the Gospels, uh, you have the disciples saying, what does that mean? What are you trying to say? Because they understood the story he was giving, but what they knew he was trying to teach a lesson through it and didn't understand it always. And even you even have Jesus get frustrated with them and say, you've been with me for... Uh, two years and you still don't understand what I'm trying to say. I have a heavenly kingdom that we are, and they sometimes didn't understand it, but that's a parable. And then we have the allegories we talked about is um, uh, like, like Pilgrim's Progress. It's, it's a story, a standalone story, but it has a hidden meaning to it. So you have uh, Pilgrim's Progress with Christian walking through, and the story is standalone if you just read the book, even if you had no idea about Christianity. But it's got all these hidden meanings of what the Christian walk uh, looks like in Christian warfare. So we talked about salt last week. I already gave you that. Does anybody remember what we said salt does, the four P's uh, of salt? Preserves. It preserves. That was, that was the first one. So very good. It preserves, and that's what we're supposed to do. So the, here's the metaphor is Christians are to be salt, uh, the salt of the, of the world, a salt of the earth. Then we are to preserve the good and keep out the bad. Remember we said salt does both of those things. What's the second thing it does? And I kind of just gave it to you, but it preserves. It purifies. Very good, Miss Kelly. It preserves and it purifies. I expected you to get those two. Now the last two we may struggle with unless you've got notes in front of you. Uh, It preserves, it purifies. Third? 
It makes you thirsty, and we call that prods. It prods you. So we can't force anyone to accept Christ as their Savior. We can't force anyone to, to want uh, what we have in God's Word and want the lifestyle we have, but we can make them thirsty for it, and that's how we are to be the salt. And does anybody remember the fourth one? It preserves, it purifies, it prods, and it pleases. It, we should be pleasant. Remember, we talked about salt being put on food. It's a, it's a pleasant thing, and we are to be that to, to the world. We should not be going to people's doors and uh, screaming and hollering at them about their sin or they're going to hell, even though they are. We should be pleasant uh, in this world, and, and that's part of the fruit of the Spirit, right? Long-suffering and all the rest of that. We should be uh, pleasant in this world. Very good. We got all four of them. We are going to do the second half of this lesson, so we're still back in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, and we read this last week, but we'll pick up there. Uh, we'll read this passage, and then we'll pray and get into today's lesson. Verse 13, chapter 5, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Verse 14, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. In verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. We're going to talk about our second metaphor today, light. We are to be the light of the world. Let's pray and we'll get into it. Father, I thank you for this day you've given us. God, I thank you for uh, your word and how there's, there's so much in it uh, that we can apply to our lives. Uh, God, that... These, these things have been around for uh, millennia, and we are still able to, to take them and apply them to our lives because your word is a living book. And I pray that we would uh, study it, that we would understand it as we go through this lesson today. God, that we would, it's a very simple lesson, but that we would uh, commit these things to our memories and to our hearts so that we can uh, better live for you in this dark world. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You're the light of the, of the world. And the Bible talks about somebody else who is the light of the world, Jesus Christ. So in other places in the Bible, he says, I am the light of the world. So now he's, now he's turning around and telling Christians, ye are the light of the world. Uh, God has placed us in a, in a dark world, and I feel like every day it gets a little bit darker. We have uh, every day the news comes out, and maybe we notice it more because we have so much, so easy access to the news. Um, but it's a dark world that we live in. And my wife and I were just talking, and she said, uh, but I feel like it's only America. It's not. It's the whole world. The world is dark and, and walking away from God. And if you look at some of the things that go on in the United Kingdom, we're about 15 or 20 years behind them. So all this transgender and, and all the rest of that, they've been, they've been dealing with this for a couple decades already. Uh, they're very... Uh, progressive in that sense and America seems to be just behind it and sometimes we don't pay attention to what's going on in the rest of the world but it's a dark dark world so so it's that much more important that we are a light in John chapter 8 verse 12 then spake Jesus again to them saying I am the light of the world he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness but shall have the light of life so Jesus says just a, just a, a little while later in the gospels I am the light of the world and I think it's very easy to see here, the, Jesus calls us <clears throat> the light of the world, calls himself the light of the world. It's, it's very similar to the moon and the sun. We are reflecting 
the light. And we'll get to this in a little bit. There's a couple other verses that I want to read. But it says that we are to reflect God uh, through us. Uh, the light, God's light through us to the world. So that's what he's talking about here. We are the light of the world. We're reflecting this light um, onto the world, the light of Jesus Christ, the light of God. But uh, me and Emma were out walking the other night, and the moon was so bright. It was like, day, it almost it wasn't like daylight, but it was so bright. You didn't need any kind of light. You could see everything that was going on. Uh, <clears throat> even deer were standing in the field. You could see them very clearly. That's the way we're supposed to be. We're not going to be as bright as Jesus Christ. We, we, we know that. We're, we're a fallen uh, man. We have a sinful nature. But we can reflect by being, by the more clean of a vessel that we are, we can reflect that much brighter onto the world. And, and that's what we're commanded to do. God, God commands us to do that. Now, um, first thing I want to look at with light is light attracts. Uh, you ever turned your porch light on at night? What comes to the light? Bugs from the whole county. They come to my porch light, it seems like. Uh, if I had a dollar for every time, Sarah knows this, if I had a dollar for every time we got hollered at, shut the door at home when we were growing up because the porch light would be on and the bugs would just be everywhere. And my dad would spend the next 10 minutes killing bugs. Uh, but the bugs are attracted to that light. And, and it's the same way. It's, it's, a, it's a law of, of nature, really. Light attracts. Um, if you're in a dark, dark room and you see light, we go to it, right? And, and that's what the world does, even though sometimes it doesn't seem like it. The, the world is attracted to the light of the gospel. Um, pastor could, could uh, tell better, probably Kevin, even, even better than him, uh, being in police work. The world is lost. And I don't just mean lost salvation-wise. I mean they are, they're wandering through life lost, uh, blind. The Bible tells us that. They're, they're blind. Uh, to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light, from power, the power of Satan unto God. Um, but that's what it is. Satan has blinded, not just, he blinds the minds of men. And we know this. But this is what Jesus is talking about. Last week, we had to explain a little bit more salt, right? Because we don't really use salt like, like they did back in the Bible for preserving our food and things like that. But we do use light. We understand this one a lot better. Jesus has put us in this world to be a light to a lost world because the darkness is so heavy, if you want to call it that. Sometimes darkness is so dark that it almost, you can almost feel it. Um, and I'll give you an example here in just a minute. But Jesus has put us in this world for that reason, to attract uh, the world to him. Not to attract them to us. We're just reflecting that light. Uh, but, it, but it attracts. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, that verse that we just read, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify you for your good works, right? Glorify your Father, which is in heaven. So we're not doing good works to, be, to get to heaven. We're not doing good works to get praise. Uh, we pray that all the time here in church. It's not just words either. We want God to get the glory for everything that's done here. So we only, and we don't only shine when we're in church either. Maybe we, uh, we clean up our light, clean the windows on our lamp at church so that we can shine brighter when we go out. That's where we should be shining. And it's great to have uh, a good time in church. I love coming to church. I love the fellowship. I love the teaching. But this is not where we shine. We shine in the world and we draw men uh, to that light. 
Um, and and uh, it's also important to, to recognize there in verse 16 that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven, but let your light so shine before men. What does that mean? It means we are supposed to be doing these good works in the world. Church history tells us uh, of a group of men called the Anchorites. They lived in the 4th century. It's a long, long, long time ago. And it says they dwelt in solitude, they fasted, and they would even injure their bodies on purpose because uh, they felt the, the closer they could get to almost animal status, just very, very uh, basic, bare, just enough to survive. The closer they could get to that status, the closer they would be to God, the more holy they would be. And so there was even a sect of these anchorites that would go out and graze in the, in, with the herds in Mesopotamia, uh, in the Middle East. And they called them Boscoi, or shepherds is what they were called. They would call these men shepherds, not because they were tending the, these herds. They were living with these herds and eating grass. That's, and their, their whole purpose was to, to humble themselves and to be more holy before God, which I don't know how you get more holy being, doing that, but that was their thought. And, and I do know that, that often uh, if you go to Mexico, you will see in some of the big cathedrals, people doing that in front of the cathedrals. They'll be whipping themselves or walking around on their knees or going upstairs on their knees, bloodied and everything else. They're trying to, uh, through, through physical pain, draw themselves closer to God. Well, there was one of these monks. His name was Simeon Stylites. He lived from AD 395 to 451. And they called him this. This wasn't his real name, but this is the name they gave him because he, would, he stood on top of a 60-foot-high column for so long, years it says, for so long that his muscles became rigid and stopped moving. They didn't work anymore. And his whole purpose was to get closer to God, not, not by the height, but by putting his, his physical wants and needs down to be closer to God. Um, it says some of them, some of these hermits would hang weights from their bodies. They were actually monks. They would hang weights from the bodies. Others lived in cages for years, endeavoring to make themselves holy through their own, through misery. Through, through, they figured the more pain they felt, the closer they would be to God. Um, and I think that these guys, I don't know if they were Catholic or whatever they would have been. Uh, they, were, they were monks. Um, but their, I think their, their motives were honorable. They were trying to be closer to God. But, but they were ignoring the command that God gives us because they were trying to separate themselves completely from the world to be closer to God. But in Philippians chapter 2, verse 14, the Bible says, Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom... Ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. This passage tells us we are in the midst of, this, of the world. We are among them that we shine our lights in. So, so we're not supposed to separate ourselves. We are supposed to be sanctified, separated, and, and the world sees a difference, and we live differently. But we're not supposed to separate ourselves to a compound and, and never, ever go out in the world in an attempt to be more holy. We're supposed to shine uh, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. And I don't think there's any better example of doing this than when you go to work. I mean, at least for me, I work construction. I think construction may be one of the roughest groups of guys that you're going to find. Um, and sometimes ladies. 
but we shine in that in that environment and it's very very obvious um, when when you let your light shine in that environment it's very obvious that you're a Christian uh, I do have some uh, friends at work that go to Baptist churches they're, they're they claim to be Christians and when the time comes they their mouth is just as dirty as the next guy uh, they'll tell just the same stories as the next guy they're not shining in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation and I've called a couple of them out on that. I thought you were a Christian. Yeah, 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 I am. I said, man, I can't tell. And they, you know, they blush and everything else. But that's shining our light in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. And we need to be doing that. First uh, John 2, 15 through 17. And that's where these, these monks, the uh, Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And so they take that and they say, then we're going to separate ourselves from the world entirely. And we're not even going to talk to the world. We're not even, we're going to stand on top of a 60-foot pole until my muscles don't work anymore to try to be apart from the world. Uh, but that's not what God calls us to. He calls us to shine in, in this world. Um, John chapter 5, verse 35 talks about John the Baptist. He was a burning and a shining light in, in a wicked nation. Uh, all right, John chapter 3, verse 21 but he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Uh, do people see Jesus in you? The light attracts, right? The light attracts. And we're not talking about bugs. We're talking about men being attracted to Jesus Christ. Do people see Jesus in you? Uh, and if not, this is a challenge for us. Uh, they should know that you're a Christian. Uh, I think, you know, my grandpa, when he first got saved, he was you know, worked in a machine shop, and he was very outspoken as a Christian, and they started calling him reverend and all the rest of this. That's a good thing. Uh, but I don't want people to call me reverend and, and not change anything about the way that they're living. I want them to see my good works, see the light that I am shining, and be drawn to Christ because of it. Uh, and, and that is the challenge for us. Do people know that you're a Christian? Do people see Jesus in me. Uh, that's one of the biggest things when, when I'm at work and somebody says, well, you, hey, you're religious. I'm not religious. I know that's what the world calls it. I'm not religious. I, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And so I, I don't want them to say, see, oh, you're a religious person. I want them to see Jesus in me and realize he's got something different and it's not just religion. So the light attracts. The light also repels repels darkness, right? Uh, uh, my in-laws and, and my family went to the caverns there at, caverns there at Natural Bridge, and uh, they got all the lights uh, down there. And the guy was trying to explain to us, you know, these guys would have crawled through another opening and come down in here to down this little shaft, and they had to crawl on their bellies to get in there. They would have come down that shaft every day and done all their mining, and then when they were all done, they would have got out and, and crawled out. But he said, uh, you know, when they're first digging these, these tunnels in and all the rest, it's so dark. And he's like, I'm going to give you an example of how dark it is. And I want to see if you can see anything. He turns the lights off. It is so black in there. I mean, you can put your hand in front of your face and you cannot tell that there's any, there's no perception. That's, uh, that's blackness. When you have even the smallest little candle in that blackness, it lights up everything. Because the darker it is, the more the light shines the more the light uh 
shows what, what is around you. And so it is discouraging sometimes that our, that our world is getting so dark, that, that people have zero regard for God. Uh, I didn't see this, but a couple years ago, uh, right around because of Pride Month, the, uh, what was it? I sent it to Kevin and, and Josh and some of these, but the, the Pride Choir or something of Boston or something put out a song. And I didn't see it in 2021, but I just saw it here recently. Actually, Sarah showed it to me. And it's their song. Their, their, the theme of their song was, we are coming for your kids. We're coming for your kids. And he says that before he starts the song. Actually, it might be in the song. <clears throat> this guy is, is singing, and he says, um, you claim that we're coming for your kids. And in this case, you're right. We are. And, I mean, it's as bold and as in your face as possibly can be. We're coming for your kids. And it's discouraging. Um, the, abortion, the abortion issue, and, and these are just mainstream issues. There's so much more. Uh, it's discouraging to see people that call themselves a Christian and, and have zero regard for uh, God. I know they're only calling themselves Christians. By, by their fruit, you, you're going to know what they are, but it's discouraging. But the encouragement is, even if you're flickering just a little bit in, the, in this dark world, you're going to attract people to you and you're going to repel darkness and that's what we're called to do so uh learn to shine uh we we it's not hard to shine and be different in this world because the world is so wicked it should be should be easy for us and what i mean is if you're even remotely a christian you should be you should have a light that is shining and, and showing a difference um there's this little song that we sing when we're, when we're little kids. I'm, I'm skipping through this because I'm kind of running out of time. But there's a song we sing when we're little kids. Jesus bids us shine with a pure, clear light, like a little candle burning in the night. In this world of darkness, we must shine, you in your small corner and I in mine. And I, call, and I wrote this down. We're not called to change the entire world. There may be some that are way more influential than others. We're not called to change the whole world. We're not, we're not called to, uh, not all of us are called to travel the world as an evangelist or something like that. But in our small corner of the world, in our little neighborhood, in our community, in our church even, we are called to be a light in that little corner. In this world of darkness, we must shine, you in your small corner and I in mine. All right. Um, I'm going to give you one more example of the light repelling darkness. When we were growing up, Sarah may remember this, uh, but when we were growing up, we had, I don't know, 40 or 50 chickens. And we started noticing that eggs were disappearing. We thought it was snakes, but we started noticing eggs were disappearing. And even, even every so often, a chicken would be dead. Uh, but mostly it was eggs. We thought the chickens weren't laying eggs anymore. It was that bad. There was no eggs. And uh, so we came in one day, and I don't know if we saw droppings or if we actually saw a rat or what it was. But we were like, hmm, I wonder if the rats are getting these. They were in a shed and the floor was covered. You know, how were they getting in? The door was closed. Well, they had, these rats had chewed, chewed a hole in the, in the floor. And every night they would come in, eat all the eggs. And, and at first you would hear the chickens squawking and we didn't know what it was. You know, we thought maybe they were trying to get roosted or whatever else and pushing each other around. What it was is these rats were coming in and the chickens were scared to death, flying up and trying to roost. And uh, so anyways, one night we finally realized, okay, these, these rats are getting into the feed, into the, into the uh, eggs, eating all the eggs. So me and my younger brothers, I think I was the oldest boy at home then, so we, we got our shotguns and uh, floodlights. 
And we went out there, and when we kicked the door open on the chicken coop, I mean the entire floor was crawling with rats. That's how many rats were in this, in this coop. And you know what happened as soon as we shined the light? It was like, it was like a, I don't even know how to describe it. They were gone. Um, but the light repels that darkness. And, and men are more than happy to come out and, and uh, spread their wickedness in the dark. But if we can get a, a Christian or a group of Christians out there shedding light on what's going on uh, in our world, a lot of that wickedness goes away. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to be a light, to repel that darkness. And then thirdly and lastly, light requires a source. Uh, you don't just... Uh, flashlight doesn't run indefinitely, right? You got to keep changing the batteries. And there's so many applications to this. Um, uh, I think Brother Calvin Allen talked about it, you know, vacuuming the floor with it not plugged in. You're doing nothing. You're, do, you're doing this work with zero power. It's the same way with the light. If we don't have the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we can, we can be out there living all we want. But if there is the, there's no power to that light source, we're not making an impact. And uh, but God himself is our source of light. And I have, I have a bunch of verses, but uh, Psalm chapter 27, verse 1, I'll just read a couple of them. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my strength of, is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? First uh, John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. And then we have... Uh, so light requires a source, and I got two two points to this. But um, we, when we walk with the Lord, some some people will be drawn to it, and some will will hate it and be repelled by it. And and it's interesting, you know. I, I gave you two examples. We got we got rice, <laughs> rice, my, rats, and we have. I was trying to say mice and rats at the same time. We have rats and we have bugs. One is drawn to the light. The other one is repelled by the light. And we're going to see that in our lives. Don't, when you go to a door and somebody, you know, shuts the door in your face, I'm not interested and shuts the door. We've had that. And Emma gets so mad. It's, it's, we work with Emma. She gets so mad when somebody shuts the door in our face. And, I, and we have to tell her, Emma, they're not mad at us. They don't want to hear about God. It's not you, but we're called to, do, to go out and spread that light, and some people are repelled by it, and others are attracted to it. And we don't know who those people are. We have people that, that come into this church because they're invited, they're drawn to that light, and they accept Christ as their Savior, and their eternal destiny is changed for, forever. And, then, and possibly their families. If they get their families into church and their families hear the gospel, we don't know who's going to accept it and who's going to reject it. We're called to shine in the midst of a perverse and a crooked generation. Uh, <clears throat> and so, um, just quickly, we, must, we need to live in such a way that God is so real and personal to us that others will see his light reflected from our lives. That's the point I wanted to make with this. We have to have a light source. Remember, I talked about it at the very beginning. We're a reflection. And so if, if God is not real in our own personal lives, how can we reflect it? To others, um, he has to be real to us, and I hope that he is to you. And I and I also know that uh, professing Christians who know that they're saved, we go through times where even we kind of look at what's going on around us sometimes, and we go, "What am I? What am I doing? 
We start to doubt. And I talked about that on Wednesday night. That's one of the things Satan gets us with, doubt. What am I doing? Am I, am I wasting my life? Am, is this worth it? And I want to let you know that it is, but that's how we know that we're, we're a little bit backslidden or we're not quite where we should be spiritually when we get that mindset because Satan is creeping in. Uh, we need to be, our walk needs to be so real that we're not. Uh, I think this is the, the challenge is not to go out and put a fake smile on and I'm a Christian. We, it needs to be genuine. And the only way for it to be genuine, if God is so real to us, that we can't help but be a genuine Christian. We can't help but reflect that light uh, to those around us. And the other, the second thing about this light requiring a source is Psalm chapter 119. And does anybody know about Psalm 119? I know y'all do. Uh, what's the, what's the, uh, the uh, interesting thing about Psalm 119? Anybody know? Every verse in Psalm 119, what? Miss Barbara. It's about the word of God. And listen to a couple of these verses in Psalm 119 about the word being a light. Psalm 119, 105, we're very familiar with this one. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm 119, 130, the entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. Peter said in 2 Peter 119, the light shineth in a dark place. What was he referring to? God's word. So we have to have a personal walk with Jesus Christ that is reflecting that light to others. But we also need to be in God's word. And I mentioned this on Wednesday. It cannot, we cannot emphasize enough the importance of God's word. Uh, if you've ever had a time where, and I hope you have, and I hope you're in one now where you're walking with God, you know how important God's word is to you and you know how precious it is to you. And I don't just mean uh, that you, I don't put it on the floor because God's word is precious to me. I mean you open it and you read it and you understand and you talk to God through it. We have to have that. That is our light source. Um, it's, 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 it's vital then that we read it, that we memorize it, that we meditate on it. I don't know if anybody had a chance, but I talked about that Wednesday. If you get a chance, go back to Ephesians chapter 6 and, and meditate on some of those uh, pieces of armor that were given. This should be an everyday thing. We should be meditating. And that's part of the reason you read the Bible in the mornings so that you, through the day you can meditate on, on what God has given you. And I understand. I, I'm, I'm as busy, at least I think I am. I feel like I am. I'm as busy as anybody else in here. Um, you know, with we just cut a bunch of, uh, bunch of our, our inspectors for our jobs, so we're doubled as busy now. But we have to have priorities. We have to stop, read, our, read God's word, and meditate on it, and let that light of God's word shine through us. You know, the, 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 end, of the end of the dark ages, you know what ended it? Johann Gutenberg's, Gutenberg's printing press. Because the Bible was finally able to be printed and passed out mass uh, to, to the common person. And the light of the gospel, the light of God's word was able to extinguish or to repel the darkness of the dark ages that's what brought an end to the dark ages was was the light of God's word so finishing up here uh, we talked about two of them in this in this lesson and I split it we're salt and we're light and I think the important thing to know here is both salt and light make a difference when they're present we're called as Christians to be salt we should we should be preserving we should be purifying we should be 
prodding, drawing men to Christ. We should be pleasant, but we should also, with, with being a light, we should be repelling darkness. We should be attracting others to, to Christ, and we should be clean enough in our lives that we can reflect uh, the light of Jesus Christ. And uh, so hopefully this is a challenge to you. Uh, we need to make a difference. If you're a Christian, not making any difference in your circle, you need to check, you need to check your light. Uh, it doesn't mean you're not saved, but it may mean that you're not shining, or it may mean that your life is not clean enough that the, that the light can reflect the way it should. Uh, and this is a challenge to me. This is something daily we need to be looking at, uh, daily making sure. You know, and it's, it's, uh, it's not, you know, when a joke is, a dirty joke is told that you, oh, I can't laugh because if they see me laugh. It should be, this is what I'm talking about, our personal walk with God. It should be repulsive to us. Uh, it, it's not, oh, I can't laugh. That's pretty funny, but I can't laugh. It should be, hey, guys. You know, and I'm not saying I'm not saying be the be the pre- preaching at people because because this dark world, this those in the world don't understand where you're coming from. But our walk with God should be so that when that is happening, people do look at you and go, "Oh man, he is offended by that." And I've had it, and and I'm not patting myself on the back, but it it actually is a great feeling when somebody takes God's name in vain and then turns around to me and they call me boots at work. Everybody does. But they turn around and say, my bad boots, sorry about that. That's a good feeling, knowing you're having some impact. Uh, it doesn't stop them all the time, but at least they turn and say, my bad about it, right? You're, you're, you're a testimony showing people, God is important to me. And it's not just what I do, it's my life. Every, and, and I tell guys that at work. I'm not religious. I, this is my life. The reason I'm so, the reason I talk about it, the reason I'm passionate about it is because God has changed my life and it means everything to me. And I want him to change yours as well. So let's be a reflection of, of that light uh, that God has graciously given to us and, and try to attract others to him. Let's pray and we'll get ready <clears throat> for the morning service. Father, again, I thank you for this day you've given us. Thank you for allowing us to wake up with the health that you've given us, and be able to attend church here. God, I pray that church just wouldn't be something that we do, God. It would be something that's so important to us because it's so important to you. You gave your life for it. And I pray that uh, we wouldn't go through the motions of being a Christian. Uh, it wouldn't just be, well, this is what I've done my whole entire life. That's uh, Other religions are the same way. They stay in the religion because that's what they've done their whole entire life. God, I pray that we're, our walk with you would be close and real and personal, and uh, God, that it, our light can't help but shine in the darkness of this world because we're walking with you each day. Pray that you give us a good service. Pray that you, uh, this next hour, pray that you fill our pastor with your power, give him the words to say, and that you'd speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.